So yeah, let's get into my favorite episode. Oh yes. And... <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and, and describe okay. this one? So School Town Follies. And um yeah, this is the other strange thing I will say too, even though we're going in chronological order, mm-hmm. I feel like some of the episodes until like I guess we get to the final act of of the show um they can kind of be like modal and you can switch them around like there's there is obviously this continuous thing and then you know we're learning a little bit more but like this episode feels like an episode that can be placed anywhere in the timeline hmm. and it would still make sense that's I feel true like. yeah i think you're yeah right. yeah but i mean the reason why I love this episode is because it's so cute. <laughs> it's such an adorable it is so cute. episode. <laughs> and yeah, just to set it up, uh, they come across a school. Yes. <laughs> which is full of animals, like kid animals <laughs> that are all dressed like in cute little outfits. And... Why isn't this my favorite episode? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, I, that's why I did the one, two, three thing. Because I was like, you're going to say School Town Follies. Like, I was I was anticipating it. Like, you know, I wanted to like to jinx it. But Sorry, I'll <laughs> anyway. let you finish. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it's such an adorable episode. I mean, it still kind of has a dark edge, but then you kind of realize it's not. Mm-hmm. But um. Uh, I, I also want to say the animals are like to me they're a- alluding to um Richard Scarry. Are you familiar with that no. children's author? Okay, so Richard Scarry, his his last name is spelled Scarry, but with two R's, and he wrote a bunch of books that had like anthropomorphic animals that basically lived in cities, drove cars, you know that kind of thing, and um. And they look like these characters. Like the character design looks like Richard Scarry's drawings. And I, I didn't watch this episode with the commentary, so I don't know if that was a direct thing. But like, I, 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 I get that sense of, of Richard Scarry uh, with these animals in the costumes. Or yeah, it's their clothes. And one of my favorite Richard Scarry stories as a kid too, uh, because it, it's basically me, is the absent-minded rabbit. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it, it's a great little story. Um, yeah, and that's just me. I, I tend to zone out and daydream a lot. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm just doing some Googling. I totally see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. right? The yeah. animals look like that. Especially yeah. with their little clothes. <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yeah. laughs> so cute. Okay, so I got to ask, who was your favorite animal in the classroom? Oh, gosh. Um, uh, ooh. <laughs> I'm trying to remember like what all of them were. I remember the deer being very cute. I remember there was like a rabbit and a raccoon. I don't know. It's hard to choose. I'm such an animal lover. So it's just like I would have plushies of all of these and be so happy. Yeah, absolutely. There's also a possum because... Oh, so yeah, what... the possum with his little mm. hat. <laughs> and then they did the, yeah, the patchwork kind of oh my clothing God, that I they know. have. Yeah, so it's very we, like we, uh, Oliver Twist, <laughs> right? And let's just say too the this is like I guess the underlying theme of the episode is that uh, Wirt leans into this thing of of Beatrice's criticism of him of that oh he just follows the rules you know he just follows orders you know and she kind of says it in a very backhanded way it's like you know that's not a bad thing you know mm. it's like this is this is just how you are you know and then Wirt is like okay so I'm gonna s- go into this classroom and I'll be a student. And then Beatrice spends the rest of the episode trying to convince him that, no, you know, snap out of it. Like, you know, he, he willingly, like, goes into the dunce box. I know, too, I know. And, then, 
and then his red pointy hat is perfect for it. Um, and, but Greg is like, yeah, school sucks, you know, and I, yeah, I want to like, hang no out, out. Yeah, I want to play outside. And then, yeah, there's these like outsiders who are also cutting class and that that possum is one of them. And I forgot what they were looking at. Like there was something that they were playing around with. And, you know, obviously they're they're with the frog, too. Um, they were playing too old cat. <laughs> Oh yeah, they start playing that game. It's oh so my cute. god, too old, too old cat. That cat yes. is too old. <laughs> <laughs> so, can you just explain briefly what's the rule? Uh, you know, I think it's only one rule, right? Of too old cat. Yeah, it's. I don't even know that they set it up. He's just like, "Do you want to play too old cat?" And then he goes and he's like, "I'll show you how to play." And he, like, fishes around underneath the schoolhouse and pulls out a cat who's, like, very old and has, like, these little glasses on. Yeah, and it's just, it gives the most mournful meow. And he's like, that cat is too old. And so, yeah, they yeah. all just, like, find these old cats and compare yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, so and funny. then I think the one that wins is a cat with, like, the pince-nez thing. Like, oh, yeah, maybe then... I was misremembering. But, yeah, there yeah, is that cat. Yeah, and then cat. he has a walking stick. <laughs> he's so but yeah, those and then the bits, game ends. Those bits are so good. Like it's worked in where you just can't help but laugh. It's so funny. Yeah, it's incredible, and it's just totally random, like non sequitur. <laughs> <laughs> nothing else follows. And then yeah, uh, one of the kind of I guess that kind of paradox of like both dark and comedic is the sudden appearance of the gorilla. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which uh, I don't know what your first impression was, but. Like, I felt like that was the beast. Did you get that impression too? Oh, um, I don't, I don't remember. I feel like, because mm. honestly, I've seen it so many times now, it's hard to remember my first impression. Okay, <laughs> um, all right. But yeah, I, I don't recall, like, they definitely set up that kind of false lead more than once. Um, mm. So very possibly. Yeah. And yeah, you get the cartoony chase. Like, the, yeah. is it like around like a clothesline or something? Around like the tree, yeah. And then I think <laughs> it's the possum pulls out like a baseball bat <laughs> and bops it on the head. Yeah, adorable. So funny. Yeah, and that that ties to my opener. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Better than being chased by a gorilla. Meal time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and one of the most iconic songs of the show oh you know my gosh. and it's like yeah. yeah uh i mean if if i was introducing this show to people like potatoes and molasses would be the, the bit that i would show to them <laughs> i know and then they do the reprise later on too uh, yes so good but yeah the original is like it's just so cute and i love how greg um goes up to the teacher too and he's like no no play something more like this and just bangs on the keyboard <laughs> and she's like oh like this um but yeah like the slapstick or just physical humor in it is really funny too mm-hmm. uh those pieces but yeah that song potatoes and molasses do you know the lyrics um gosh uh i just remember a few lines like they're soft and warm like puppies in socks or something like that <laughs> that's a brilliant one to yeah to remember oh wow uh, i don't i wish i could remember the whole thing all the way through yeah. but i just remember when they compare mar- uh, uh, mashed potatoes to like puppies and socks i was like that's <laughs> adorable <laughs> yeah uh yeah it, it's it's incredible and i mean this what makes the song even more remarkable to me is that Greg is singing it like out of tune. Like he clearly 
He does that a lot. Like, he can't sing, but does it anyway all the time. Yeah. Or, like, um, you know, when you actually look at the lyrics, because I, I tried singing it, I'm like, it doesn't even fit. Like, you know, it the, doesn't. The, yeah. <laughs> like, per bar, like, it, you know, to make it rhyme, like, it, it's like, you know, um, he has to put in, like, oh, just ask us. Just to, like, yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, man, it, it's it's an incredible song. Like we're not doing it justice, but you know it's so charming. Like you know, if you don't fall in love with the show at this point, when this song comes on, I mean, there's no hope for you. I'm sorry, so, leave. <laughs> Shut it down. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Turn it off. Go find yeah, something I'm else. Sorry. Yeah, or you should be forced to watch it over and over again until it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll fix but, you. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, you you mentioned something too, like very telling that the song gets cut short, and <laughs> it, it's because uh, the father of the um, of the she she's the teacher or the the headmistress. Um, uh, she uh, she kind of alludes to it too, and I forgot what brings it up that you know first that she has this lost love who left her. <laughs> Um, and then that also that, yeah, the school isn't making money, <laughs> which is just weird in this world. It's like, the, you're like, uh, okay, who's paying tuition? Like yeah, what's exactly. going on? Like, uh, <laughs> but then the father barges in mid, you know, I, I think actually Greg is about to wrap it up. <laughs> See, he's getting there, you know, cause it's like four potatoes and molasses. Like he, he, he's getting, you know, to that point, but uh -huh. then he barges in. And like you know, the dad is like, "Is this what I'm paying for?" You know, <laughs> like what happened to our dream of educating animals? Uh -huh. <laughs> oh gosh, so yeah. funny. Yeah, and then he has just like this melancholy moment. Oh, I I should mention too before I, uh, we get to that point is that, um, you know, the other animals start playing instruments as oh, well. Oh yeah. Yeah. And my favorite animal is the Frenchie in the sailor outfit. <gasps> oh, oh yes, I forgot. Oh my gosh, they're all so <laughs> yeah. cute. With his, yeah, with his tongue hanging out, and then he's like nodding his head initially, and then later on he's playing. Is it's some sort of woodwind instrument? I think it's the trombone. I'm I'm blanking, but so um, cute. Yeah, it's oh so adorable. God. Like uh, yeah, if if you don't find this cute, you you have no heart. I'm just saying that. Yeah, you know. But it's um, not like all cutesy. It definitely strikes a balance, but when it's cute, it's very right. cute. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, we we get this moment where, you know, the the father is alone in like some part of the wood near the school and he's with the musical instruments and he's just lamenting like, "Oh man, like what have I spent my money on? Like I'm I'm sad now." And then Greg comes up with a plan. And you think initially he's like gonna prank the dad or he's gonna do something kind of nefarious mm -hmm. but Greg being Greg what's the plan that he comes up with uh they put they put on a fundraiser and all of the animals play in a band together to raise money it's so freaking cute but yeah because first he steals from the dad um they right find that's him... why you think it's gonna be sinister yeah like they find plan. him sleeping in the woods and Greg is like, let's rob him or something. <laughs> oh, man. So funny. Yeah, and it becomes effective. People actually start 
um, you know, f- doing the fundraiser and he's collecting money with his upside down kettle. You know, it works out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And then also, um, refresh my memory. So how did did they end up removing the gorilla head? Oh, uh, I think does he like fall over or like I feel like it it like tumbles off of him at some point. Like he trips oh. or something. Okay. Um, I feel like it's something like that where he like trips and falls and then it falls off of him and they're like, oh, it's my long lost love. Um, <laughs> I don't remember exactly, but I feel like it's something like that. Yeah. And we yeah. get that explanation that you brought up, which is that, you know, he yeah. ended up going to the circus and he he wore the gorilla costume and he couldn't get it off. Um, yeah. And people were too afraid of him. <laughs> <laughs> in order for him to get it off so so funny yeah yep and then uh yeah all's well that ends well with this episode right mm-hmm. it was a it was a happy ending and greg does the reprise of um uh of potatoes and molasses and it's like kind of a bigger orchestra version of it kind of marching band but um it, it gets cut off again and I think this leans again to my theory that I feel like they would have completed the song had not they had that 11-minute, <laughs> you know, time limit Darn that Cartoon, Cartoon Network, Network. <laughs> Exactly. Um, yeah, well, since you have the vinyl soundtrack, um, is the song complete on the vinyl? It is. Yeah, they have oh, the whole wow. alphabet song that the headmistress sings, too. <laughs> wow. Yeah, she goes through the whole alphabet. <laughs> oh my god okay i gotta listen to it yeah, i think I mean, it's I'm like sure on youtube like... or something yeah 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 i, I need to hear these full songs <laughs> yeah all right so uh we'll move on to the next episode which is uh songs of the dark lantern ominous <laughs> yeah okay so um uh i only really have two impressions from this episode but mm-hmm. yeah uh tell me how you felt about this episode Okay, so yeah, this is the one where they, so they've left, gosh, I'm like trying to rack my brain because a lot of this kind of like blurs together because they're traveling mm. a lot of different places. Let's see. Let me go ahead and uh, scroll through Wikipedia here. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, this is the tavern episode. Okay, yes, yes, yes. yes. Mm. I remember now. This one is great because am I remembering correctly as they have like the Highwayman song in this episode? Oh yes, yeah. which um, reminds me of the um, uh, who's the villain in 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 Nightmare Before Christmas? Oh, uh, the Oogie Boogie. Yes, and he has a song that sounds very similar to this. It does, yeah, and it kind of right? has like a similar sort of like animated vibe, where like he's like right. swaying all around. Yeah, and I didn't think about that before. That's nice. Uh, nice relation. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I remember this now because they're in the hay uh, in the cart, and they kind of it kind of just opens the episode with them traveling to the next spot, and Greg mm. is really hungry, and so they get out and uh, and they go into the tavern, and then they do the songs, and they find out that he is uh, what is it? He's um, not a gosh, what is the word that they give him? He's like pilgrim. Not a, a pilgrim. I kept wanting to say yes. traveler, and I'm like, it's not traveler. Yeah, yeah he's defined as a pilgrim. And then they do all the cute songs. Um, yeah, because yeah. um, I, I guess just to track back with that a little bit, like a lot of the citizens in the in the tavern, they're like their identity is basically um, what they do. You know, yeah, like the highwayman, like, mm-hmm. the baker, 
who are the others? Remind me. There's like the tailor. Uh, yes. The bar barkeeper, whatever her name is, the tavern <laughs> lady. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know that's, uh, and I think this is a thing that I've encountered in the real world too, where. There's certain people that just aren't comfortable until they've categorized somebody. Mm -hmm. You know, like they need to know like what your role is or like, you know, what do you do for work? This kind of thing. And mm -hmm. like, you know, that they feel like that's what defines a person. So when they encounter work, it's like they need to know <laughs> what yeah. work is. And there, there's some false impressions initially. And it's a really funny bit too where it's like, uh, I can't remember which character it was, but it was like he mistake but he wasn't actually off um by much where he was like are you in love with a girl oh right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah he foreshadowing says he's looking, he needs help finding adelaide or mentions adelaide and they're like oh, oh it's a that's girl correct. you're after and then they go into the <laughs> wedding song yeah very yeah strange. and then like everybody plays their part you know the yeah, tailor right. dresses him up you know um i guess the hairstylist fixes his hair <laughs> um yeah, and yeah it feeds, so... Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, but it does feed very much into, like, the storybook element, too, where they're like, okay, what kind of character are you? You know, like, we all have these right. set rules. So, um, yeah, it, like, continues to build this whole, like, fairy tale element of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because up until this point, I will still say, like, we we know the personalities of Greg and Wirt mm -hmm. and Beatrice, but... but we don't really know who they are, you right. know, that's still pretty much a blank, but you know, I guess that's a testament to like personality that, you know, uh, and it, I guess it makes me reflect on my day to day life too, especially at work where it's like, I can present a certain aspect of myself and, um, people feel like they know me, but they actually don't know anything about me, you know? Uh, because yeah, it, it, your personality comes through. And I could just be talking about like work related stuff and never bring up anything personal and people think they know me, you know? Yeah, it's like they find one thing that they can define you with and like that's who you are. Yeah. Yeah. And then um and then yeah, that sticks. It's like uh they you know, even if, if you don't see yourself that way yeah. that's their impression of you so you know. <laughs> that's who you are now <laughs> yeah that's who you are yeah uh, so they dictate that basically work is a pilgrim you know you're on a pilgrimage and they do this whole song and like uh i'm not sure if i'm misremembering it did they kind of carry him above them like a like a bar mitzvah or something like i think they do uh, at one point yeah they like lift him up <laughs> yes exactly and um and yeah okay so this is one of my two impressions of this episode um which is that line because you know uh there's a specific line that really stands out to me and it's prompted by work saying like you know i uh because that's what they don't oh we, we missed the detail they don't allow birds in the tavern by the way oh yeah that was so, <laughs> so they, funny yeah so they shoo away beatrice and then like beatrice basically tells work okay stay inside and get directions mm -hmm. to adelaide and i don't remember why uh like does um uh does greg want to go hunting for something outside but why he also stays outside um after he eats he also goes outside yeah, I'm trying to remember yeah. now uh, mm -hmm. what draws them outside because then Beatrice is outside with 
the horse. Um, yes, the talking horse. Fred. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I forget Which, what um, draws I... them outside, though. Yeah. Yeah, I, I forgot too. But um, what I, I guess that also relates to um, you know how we're we're struggling to remember how they get from place to place. But I think it that's how dreams work. I mean, I that's how I feel with my dreams. Like I don't remember how I got there. You know, it's like I just seem to like magically teleport <laughs> from one place to another. Yeah, um, I almost yeah. think it was something to do with like the beast because I remember he brings it up and everybody's like, they, there's like a hush over the tavern. And I feel like they leave shortly after that. But yeah, you're right. It is very dreamlike. They just kind of mm. like, and it takes advantage of the episodic like structure of it in some ways where they just kind right. of start in a new place. Um but yeah, you're right. I, gosh, I can't even remember that now. <laughs> yeah, strange thing. But um, no, that's the beauty of the show. We can just rewatch it again. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so the when uh, Wirt brings up that he's looking for for directions, uh, I can't even remember which character says it, but he has a New England accent. That's something that I'll never forget. And he basically says, "You don't need directions, Pilgrim." You just have to fo uh, you follow that compass that's inside your heart. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even notice that. They do kind of give him that like New England accent, huh? <laughs> yeah, the heart part is really the one where it's just ah, like hot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Emphasis is on the A-H. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, it's just an incredible line. I mean, there's so many quotable lines in the show. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, <laughs> we'll just keep bringing it up. But um, uh, the other impression I loved was the dog that lays in the way of the door in the tavern. Oh, <laughs> the, like, yeah. The sheep dog or whatever <laughs> he is. <laughs> and like they move him out of the way and then he closes the door and then he moves right back into that spot. <laughs> <laughs> like a doorstop. <laughs> yeah, incredible. So and good. It, yeah, and I guess we didn't mention, dude, the part of the reason why they go into the tavern is because it's raining yeah. outside. So it's like that comfort of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I've always kind of associated that with, with taverns in a way. But, you know, there's that sinister aspect to it, too, because it's like these strangers already know who uh, each other. And it's like you're the new person coming in. And, you yeah. know, there's even a moment like, like that, that in American Werewolf in London. I too, was just going to say that. Yes. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, you can't go back out there. What are you even doing here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What a great scene. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. So that that I can't remember how the episode ends. It's like they they definitely get on the horse, right? And they 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 leave. Yeah, they go out, and Beatrice is like, uh, or no, wait, because they don't introduce that Fred can talk yet. But yeah, they just go they just go out mm. on the horse. I don't remember. Yeah. No, no, no Fred, Fred definitely no. talks because initially I remember it's like he just had kind of a human sounding laugh. Which yeah. they tie in with the nay in, in a way, way and then it, and then they, they discover at the end it's like oh you can talk yeah 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 <laughs> yeah because uh, you know the, the moment the second ep uh, the fifth episode uh, the following episode begins he, it's like just normal that he's talking <laughs> yeah because that's when they go over to Unky Endicott's house <laughs> yes and like again there's a there's a huge like kind of gap here it's like we don't know how they ended up there. It's just like the the episode starts like in the middle of it, uh, yeah. like they're already there, and like this uncle Endicott seems to think that uh, Greg and and Wirt are his nephews, 
Yeah, they were, uh, they were definitely, oh gosh, I'm, I'm sorry, it's starting to get late, I'm starting to, like, space yeah. on language. Um, <laughs> That's all good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they were basically just, like, playing a hoax, uh, that they were his nephews, his long-lost nephews, because they were trying to steal some money so they could take the ferry to see Adelaide. <laughs> yes, do you remember the cost to take a ferry? It was two pennies. <laughs> two pennies, that's all they needed. <laughs> Um, and and, and uh, Uncle Endicott is obviously like very rich, and also I I'd be remiss to say who he's voiced by. It's John Cleese, uh, who's one of my favorites, you know. And I I mean talk about comfort shows. Faulty Towers is one of my all time comfort shows too. Actually, my stack where um over the garden wall resides is like with Faulty Towers. So <laughs> they're right next to each other. Oh, man. Faulty Towers is incredible. Okay, just a quick side note, because also I know it's getting late. Um, Faulty Towers was the, the project that uh, John Cleese did after Monty Python. It was his own project with um, uh, Connie Booth. They co-wrote okay. the show. And, you know, typical of a British show, it only lasted two seasons. And I think each season is like six episodes. And it's about uh, a very, like, high-strung gentleman <laughs> stressed out running a, a bed and breakfast called Faulty Towers. And his name is Basil Faulty. And it's like most of the episodes is just him like being like pulled from in all different directions at once. Just like very frazzled. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the standout episodes that everybody like uh, references uh, when they know the show is the Waldorf salad episode. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's a whole treat. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere, but yeah, I have the Blu-ray, so it's it's on physical media at least. Nice. I'll see if I can yeah. pick up that episode. Yeah, <laughs> give it a, give yeah it Waldorf a Salad. Up. Watch it. Yeah, yeah it, and it's also an episode that you can watch in any order. Like, there's no continuous story uh, with the show. But yeah, John Cleese, incredible. Um, and uh, I love, too, that the character design, it's like, it looks nothing like him. <laughs> like, we get, like, kind of, like, more of a... I'm imagining, like, Benjamin Franklin-looking... Yeah, very, guy. like, very old-timey, kind of proper. Like, he's wearing, like, the tight pants or, like, tights, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and then it, it comes into question, too, of, like, where... Uh, like where are we in time you know it's yeah. like they're in the the renaissance or, or no what is that era of like um i guess it's the enlightenment i'm not quite sure <laughs> like whenever that was um, yeah because there's the... kind of like feelings of illuminated text and like all of this ornamentation with like the chapters too so it right. kind of does feed into that whole era mm-hmm yeah, and then we have like this classic trope of like the the dead lover haunting, uh, which they put like an incredible twist on. <laughs> um, oh yeah, I love that reveal. Yeah. It's so great. Yes, <laughs> that their mansions are basically so huge that they didn't even realize that they share a garden <laughs> that it's connected, and that they're they're actually rivals of like Earl Grey tea, which is my favorite tea, by the way. So good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love a London fog. <laughs> oh yeah. Fantastic. So um yeah, uh, they they end up together, um, John Cleese, uh and Uncle Endicott and what remind me the lady's name? Oh uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, whatever the lady is of the other house who also has an Earl Grey business or Grey tea business, um I'm, they I'm end forgetting. up Yeah, they end up together and probably have like a magical merger which is unlike what actually happens with mergers um 
And then uh, Fred the horse ends up staying with them. I, I actually thought Fred was going to go with us for the rest of the journey. I know, because they really set him up that way, but he becomes a tea horse. <laughs> <laughs> he found his purpose in life. I know. He's like, I'll get and... a real job, I swear. <laughs> I'll go straight. I can't... Yeah, I can't be mad at that, you know. Um, so but at funny. the same time, I also just feel for for Wirt and Greg's purposes, like that would have sped up their journey a little more. I know. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going on foot and, you know, Beatrice can keep up by, you know, flying. Um, all right. So the following episode is Lullaby in Frogland. Oh, I love this one, too. Yes. Oh, my gosh. This is definitely one of my favorites, like top three. Yeah, for sure. I mean... The music is is again oh, front, front and center yeah. of this episode. Uh, I mean, we start with like uh, I guess uh, the band playing on a steamboat and all these frogs like dressed up but still acting like frogs, talking to each other in frog. Um, and uh, uh, suddenly, like um, uh, I guess he's called Wirt Junior at this point. <laughs> The Greg's frog is kind of embarrassed, or people are starting to notice. Like, why isn't he wearing clothes? <laughs> these feet and, uh, are cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh Touch man, these that's cold so adorable. Feet. <laughs> yeah, and then work is like, oh, he's supposed to be cold, you know, because he's an amphibian. So um, funny. Yeah, and uh, like, yeah, the this whole thing of um, uh. A lot of wordless communication happens in this episode, but we get what's going on because, like, yeah, when the the police <laughs> show up and they're blowing their whistle, and like you know, oh my gosh. yeah, they they immediately figure out they're in trouble. <laughs> they, scene, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. That scene yeah. is so good too. The chase scene because there's the moment where like there's the frog family trying to take the picture with their tadpole babies, oh, and they bump my... into them, and then they. Frog police slip on the tadpoles, and oh, he's like, no. "My babies!" Yeah, <laughs> it's so oh, funny. Man. Oh my gosh, I love that bit. <sighs> anyway, oh yeah, it's great. And then, uh, so yeah, they end up uh, like uh, replacing the bassoon player. Yeah. Like, what happens to the bassoon player? Like, they come out of the storage room and like they're they're dressed up like they use Greg's uh, oh no Wirt's uh, cloak and the head is the frog Wirt <laughs> Jr uh, and I guess they got a hat from somewhere because he's not wearing the pointy hat right he's like wearing kind of a majorette type hat yeah they kind and... of imply that they like raided the storeroom for this <laughs> right. for this outfit <laughs> and then uh, Greg comes out as a drum <laughs> On his head. Oh my Ooh. gosh! Yeah. <laughs> and every time they bang it, he's he says "ow." Yeah, and then it like it does have that like touch of adult humor too, where he's like he's like drum me, where drum me in the face. <laughs> I'm just kind of like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, and then so eventually funny. he starts drumming his face on yeah, his own, like, and still ow. saying "ow." <laughs> so funny. Amazing. Yeah. So they somehow they I. I'm not sure if the tadpole thing had something to do with it where the bassoon player like slips also on the tadpoles or he gets pushed into the tadpoles or I don't remember, but they do have yeah. to go up onto the bandstand and mm -hmm. and basically disguise themselves so that they won't yeah. get kicked off the boat. <laughs> <laughs> and magically like or conveniently, however you wanna put it, mm -hmm. apparently Wirt has some experience playing the bassoon. 
Yes. And you know what's so funny? Just as a quick personal aside, one of my friends okay. who loves this movie, um, and she watches it every year on her birthday, which is coming up in October, um, but she actually oh. got her degree in bassoon, which is why this is one of her favorite. Uh, Wonderful. I keep calling it a movie. One of her favorite shows. Uh, oh, uh, no, it's great. But I think about that every time because he's like, I don't have the embouchure for bassoon because he plays <laughs> clarinet. Um but yeah, he's like, they're both woodwinds, Wirt. <laughs> you can do it. Uh, yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I would say that I'm, I'm guilty, you know, of not being able to distinguish the two initially. That you know, it's like they kind of look the same to me. I guess yeah. the what you blow into is different. It has like that that steel kind of pipe for the bassoon, right? Yeah, and I think and, the bassoon is curved at the end. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so there we go. And then, yeah, ombreture. Like, I've never heard that word before. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm clearly not a musical person. But, you know, I love music, but I am I can't play for the life of me. <laughs> um, um, yeah, it looks like the bassoon has a curved mouthpiece, but otherwise is relatively similar. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so that that's actually only the first half of the episode. <laughs> I know. This episode yeah. has a lot in it. Yeah, it's 11 minutes, but they pack a lot. And um, so the second half is like they realize that, oh, the steamboat stops for the evening. And they basically, the frogs like hibernate or sleep in, in the mud. <laughs> yeah, they all just jump in their like nice fine clothes with like their parasols and everything into the mud. <laughs> and then just like squelch and sink in. It's so great. Yeah. <laughs> And and Greg is totally into it. He's game for that, and he also jumps into the mud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, this is the first moment um where you know Wirt is sitting by the fireside with Beatrice, and we finally get like an an inkling of a past. Um, but you know, it's gone to this point now where I'm like, I'm not really sure I believe it. You know, when he starts talking about Sarah, mm. and uh, did he mention? Does he mention the tape? Um, he, I think, because I know he mentions Sarah in the Endicott Tea episode because mm. they get stuck in the wardrobe for a moment, and he's like, "Oh, my deep dark secret is that I have a crush," and she's like, "That's oh, very right. normal." But I can't remember <laughs> if he goes into more. Um, but he does mention he plays clarinet. Uh, yeah, so it's like touched on very briefly in that episode, but I think they go into it more um, in the part okay. that you're talking about. So, so, so the tape you have, the physical tape yes. for Sarah, Sarah it's, it's the soundtrack, soundtrack or is it actually what was on the tape? It's like that actually worked? that. It's like a cassette. Oh my God. I want to <laughs> listen to that. Yeah, I think there's a yeah, rip of on it on tape? YouTube. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, they really, like, went all out with, like, the lore they of this did. show. It's so good. Yeah. It was, like, so well done with all of the merch and everything. Right. <laughs> oh, man. So, um, do they meet Adelaide in this episode, too, or am I fast-forwarding? No, you're fast-forwarding because this is okay. the one where it kind of just ends with them, I think, kind of camping uh, in the mud. And, like, Wart Jr. gets his record contract uh, because it turns out he's actually really good at singing. So he gets, oh, like, signed man. to a record label. Um, Amazing. Uh, yeah, and then let's see here. Yeah, the lullaby in Frogland. Yeah, and then they have kind of the falling out with Beatrice. Um, 
Wait, do yeah, no, you're right. They do do they go to Adelaide in this one? Yeah, they do. Oh yeah, my gosh. because they're, they're yeah, there's just more mis- in it than I thought. I'm sorry. Yeah, thought... so it's 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 an eleven minute episode with three acts. Oh my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> for some wild. reason I thought it was in the next one. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, no, because I, I have it in my notes like Adelaide melts and I was like, What? Like because yeah, <laughs> you know, like she melts like the wicked witch, like in, in Wizard of Oz. You know, like um Yeah. Right. Um so so yeah, well, we're finally introduced to Adelaide, and we kind of learn more about Beatrice, and that you know there is some truth to what she's saying—that she was a human, mm. and her fam, all her, her, her and her family have all been turned into bluebirds, and that Adelaide basically has been asking for child slaves, which is like the dark <laughs> adult thing. That that's very what very dark. What, yeah, that's what she wants. And Adelaide is also voiced by John Cleese, which I is wild. I didn't know that. Yeah. And like yeah, there's another famous male actor who voices a female character in the next episode too. Um uh but yeah, like it, it's incredible that they got John Cleese to do both uh voices uh back-to-back episodes. He's and... in that big Cartoon Network money. <laughs> oh, hell yeah, yeah. I, I think when I was watching the behind-the-scenes, too, like, they were communicating to him through Skype, you know, <laughs> like, that kind of thing. So I think he recorded remotely. Because, yeah, yeah um, that was another thing about that's incredible about the show, that not all the voices were recorded at the same time. Oh, so, interesting. You have all yeah. of the facts. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I did a deep dive. I was like, I don't want to be, like, it. out at sea discussing... <laughs> Over the garden wall, even though I've only seen it twice, you know. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, so they, we meet, we finally meet Adelaide, and we yeah. realize like there's the sinister thing because there's always like this urgency with Beatrice to kind of like, uh, let's go, like we need to go to Adelaide. So you know, we I I got the sense that she's acting selfishly, like there's some self interest there. Yeah, oh, she doesn't really want to help the two brothers get home, you know. Yeah, she's it's like hustle, for... hustle. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, so we, we meet Adelaide and it, it's one of the things that like makes me squirm the most because it's only implied and also how it pays off later on is incredible to me because it actually ends up being true. But the scissors? So uh, Adelaide says that I have these golden scissors and this will turn you back into humans along with your family. But what impression, what connection do you make with that, with the scissors? And it's also shaped like a bird, by the way, the handles. Like, it's got wings. Yeah. Yeah, because I think she does say, like, you can use this to cut off your wings. I think that they do explicitly right. say, yeah. And, and that, that, yeah, yeah that's, that's the part that makes me squeamish, even though, you know, you don't see it. But it's just like, yeah, oh, you have to mutilate yourself. Because <laughs> you don't really think about that. It's just like, oh, my gosh, you have to cut your wings. Off. Yeah, and, and it's the one of the worst things that can happen to a bird. You oh, know? It's like, yikes. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. definitely that part of the episode. And yeah, yeah like, again, with, with Adelaide, like, there's all this build-up to her, and she dies. Like, right away, she's gone. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah so uh, I guess that's how the episode ends. Like, there's this whole misunderstanding, like, uh, Wirt and and Greg right now. now have this impression that that Beatrice was like acting out of self interest, you mm-hmm. know, and, and that's all she really cared about. She wasn't actually going to help them get home, so uh, they split. 
And um, the following episode, uh, which is called The Ringing of the Bell, and even just saying that title... Ah, you know, the ringing of the bell commands you. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh. See, I'm I'm already like uh, it's so yeah, it's, you, yeah, and just the eyes, everything. Oh my god. Okay, let, let's get into this one. So this is probably also I would say in my top three episodes. It's a candidate for one of my favorites just because it's it's perfectly pitched horror, um, and uh, yeah. So. Auntie Whispers, who I alluded to, is also voiced by a male actor, is actually Tim Curry. No way. How did yes. I not catch that? Yeah. I mean, well, the voices, he, he's so good at voices. So, you know, like he he, he disguises it very well. And um, Lorna, um, uh, her uh, her niece, is is played by Shannon Sossaman. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with her. I'm not. Uh, I don't think so like, anyway. Yeah, she was like kind of an it girl for a while, like gorgeous actress. Um she was in like Mick Jagger's uh music video, uh God Gave Me Everything I Want. Oh. <laughs> uh yeah. Uh and like it, it's actually a fascinating video because it's like um it's shot with like a really interesting like dolly. Like it's from the hips. Like it's attached to like the subject's hips. But yeah, it's an incredible music video. I'm getting sidetracked again. But, uh, <laughs> But, but yeah, yeah, she was also like the the lead in Forty Days, Forty Nights with Josh Hartnett, and uh, I mean the the thing I remember her most for is she was in the last movie by Monty Hellman uh, called The Road to Nowhere. But yeah, she's kind of disappeared. Uh, <laughs> I don't think she's been in anything notable since. Um, but yeah, she's the voice of Lorna, and also kind of transforming her voice because she speaks with a British accent. Yeah, yeah, she has that like uh, they. They all kind of take on these little accents, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I I almost feel like it's only Elijah Wood and um, uh, remind me again, Colin, uh, the voice of Greg. Oh, uh, um, yeah. Uh, oh my gosh, Colin Dean. Yeah. Sorry, it took me a Colin second Dean. to. Yeah, like... <laughs> yeah. They're the only two who are speaking in their normal voices. Like, yeah, and it definitely uh, like yeah. separates them from the world even more. Yeah. yeah. Because even Melanie Linsky, you know, she's from New Zealand, so she actually has a New Zealand accent, but she she has an incredible American accent. Um, so they they end up in this house uh, where Lorna appears to be like under the spell of Auntie Whispers, and it, it's this ongoing like motif again that you had mentioned before, where you know there's this fake out where we think initially it's one thing and then it makes a turn, and um, so. Uh, this is another staple of children's stories. I feel is like the kids hiding, and then Auntie Whispers is like <laughs> kind of smelling them or like sensing that there's something not right, and then you know they end up in a barrel full of black turtles. So you're thinking, I actually thought Auntie Whispers might be the beast, you know? Yeah, um, they kind of. You're exactly right. Like they bring the turtles back around, and you you start to think that you're catching on. Like, oh, I know these turtles from before, and. Yeah, but then you're wrong again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so the ringing of the bell of the title, she has this bell which mm-hmm. kind of glows and it puts Lorna into a trance. Mm-hmm. And you feel like she's under the command of Auntie Whispers. And um, so like Greg and Wirt, 
uh, feel like you know it's their duty to save Lorna, and then you know there's also like kind of a romance going on there too. With, yes, uh, it's with very Wirt sweet. and Lorna, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, and like, uh, yeah, it makes the the sa- the ending of the episode even more bittersweet. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, they think, oh, we we gotta rescue, uh, her from, uh, from Auntie Whispers, and Auntie Whispers goes upstairs, which we never see, by the way, which is also another like freaky thing. Like, what does Auntie Whispers' bedroom look like? You yeah, know? And, and like, Greg like screams when he goes up there. What does he see? <laughs> yeah, exactly, because. You know the the character design of Auntie Whisper. She's like um, a massive hunchback with a massive head, missing teeth, and she she kind of floats. Like it, it feels like she doesn't really walk. Like she's like uh, drifting. And so you imagine like a bed for that. Her like how does she lie down? Does she like lie down the same way like a cat does, where they just like go into a loaf? You know what it reminds me of when I was thinking about this is um, in Spirited Away, there are, like, those two witches. And this almost mirrors that a little bit because there's, like, the one who is, like, they go and visit and she gets the thread, which she makes into – in um, Spirited Away, she, like, makes it into a hair tie. So there's, like, that sister. And then there's the other sister um, who has kind of a similar design where she's, like, just very round and kind of, like, seems to float around. Um, yeah is it just me <laughs> no no I, I i think you're spot on like yeah. yeah that i mean that is the beauty of the show like we've, we've been mentioning things that we feel like they're alluding to and i i feel like that definitely um was an influence for sure yeah i at least kind of feel like there was a little bit of of character pull over there um but yeah it, she has like this big terrifying like looming design um oh, yeah man. it's it's so creepy and yeah. i i also love just kind of going back to the beginning of the episode when they first have greg and Wirt like approach the house and go inside and greg has that line where he's like we're here to burgle your turts <laughs> so good do you remember oh that? fantastic absolutely that's, that's so such funny. a great line yeah oh man they i'm break glad in. You... <laughs> yeah i'm glad you brought it up because i I think when I saw the episode again, I I, I like mentally noted that, but I didn't put so it in funny. my my notes. Uh, but I'm glad you brought it up. That's yeah, because when they go to Auntie Whisper's house, they like kind of break in because um, it yeah. seems abandoned. Uh, right. And then they get found out, and and uh, we're just like, we're not here to do any harm. And Greg is like, yeah. we're here to burgle your turts. <laughs> <laughs> that is an all timer line. It's I have to so say, good. <laughs> it's up there with. Um, <laughs> With um, that's a rock fact, and all yeah. the other quotable lines from the show. I don't mean um, to backtrack too much, though. No, no, that's perfect. I'm glad you brought that up. And yeah, the turn of the episode really is that we realize no, Auntie Whispers actually needed that ringing of the bell to kind of contain the spirit that was possessing Lorna, because Lorna is actually the evil one. Yeah. Uh, or the spirit possessing Lorna. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there's this whole yeah the the. I mean, you know, the hairs at the back of my neck are standing up right now because there ends up like this chase where um, uh, Lorna chases them outside. And um, uh, how do they get the the spirit out of her? Like, do you remember? Yeah. So when uh, when that climax hits, like she takes on this sort of like spectral form, like when her Mm. spirit, like the evil spirit is revealed and she's like floating in the air and pale Mm. and has this like demented face. Uh, 
and chases them outside, and it turns out that when he had gone upstairs, Greg had secreted away the bell, or rather, Wirt Jr. Oh, had yes. swallowed it. Um, <laughs> but Greg knew that, and so he holds up uh, Wirt Jr., the frog, who has swallowed the bell, and is able to use the power of the bell, the the um, the ringing of the bell that commands the spirit, um, and basically it's just like, leave and never come back, and so the spirit is banished. Um, yeah. That's right. How could I miss <laughs> that? And also, you know, that's such an indelible image of of Wirt Jr., Jason Funderburger, <laughs> just to add more confusion, Mr. President. Uh, Dr. Cucumber, I, I think, is actually up there as one of my favorite names. It's a good one. Yeah, because his belly glows. Yeah, it's so funny. He's like the ring, and like his like little legs are swaying around as yeah. he's being held oh. in the air. Yeah, Adorable. it's great. And then he's like, you can have the bell back after he uses the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's so many, like, um, yeah, that that is another recurring image. Is like uh, the frog being held up, Yeah. you know, uh, with both hands. And I, I'll t- to tie that back, I, I you know, I just want to backtrack a little bit to Mad Love because I forgot to mention that. When, um, when uh, uh, Endicott holds Greg up like that, that, that was like me, like I, I just want a Greg plushie. Like, like why doesn't that, that exist? You know, there like one. a scale, like size, <laughs> Greg plushie. You yeah. know. Yeah, they have um, plushy material galore in the show, and yeah. I have some emails to write. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a missed marketing opportunity, I think, for Cartoon Seriously. Network. Yeah. Um, Give us what we so, want. <laughs> so uh, a missed opportunity. Uh, sorry, not a missed opportunity, but a bittersweet end to the episode is basically that they they must move on to their journey, um, but. Uh, what ends up happening is that uh, yeah, Greg. Is, uh, I mean, sorry, Wirt is telling Lorna that uh, maybe I'll see you again. You know, maybe I'll come back. And it's pretty clear she wants that to happen too. But we're maybe they'll never come back. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, and it ends on that note, and it leads us to the next episode. Okay, we're getting there. Home stretch. I know. Here Only we go. A few episodes left. <laughs> Yeah, but I will I will say right now, just on the time, um, Kay, that you are gonna break the episode for uh, the the record for our longest episode. I'm oh just my gonna goodness. say that right now. Yeah, yeah this, this is, is gonna, gonna be, be the longest episode of, of movie food. Oh, it's been so fun chit chatting with you. It is like yeah, two thirty in the morning here, so I'm sorry my oh, brain is getting wow. a little fuzzed no, out. No, it's all good. It, it's one <laughs> thirty where I'm at. So. <laughs> We're both a little uh, slap happy. I guess. Yeah, no, but this is the perfect mood for the show too. It's I feel. true. So, it's true. Yeah, so Babes in the Wood um, is the the next episode, and what I'll have to say about this episode is, um, so I guess it, it's getting dark late at night uh, with these two, um, Greg and Wirt, and they kind of make a, a makeshift. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I guess also um I, I'll be remiss to mention this. Wirt is getting very impatient and like he's being very short with Greg, and like yeah I you know basically mean like he's blaming Greg for them being lost. You know. Yeah, his hope is really starting to fade that they're gonna get back home. He's like starting to get more and more <laughs> depressed and yeah. like he's always kind of had this uh like over dramatic like. Oh, the abyss will take me. Kind of like, <laughs> like very poetic, like 
lilting yeah. sort of thing through the whole show, but like it gets more and more like he becomes more and more reserved in himself where he's like nothing matters, who cares, like do whatever you want. He's like you can feel where is is giving up and becoming impatient with the whole thing. Right. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, um he basically just says to to Greg, do what you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and, he's um, like, You're the leader now. <laughs> But, yeah, yeah, and, and the, the way, way Greg, Greg takes that, that too is like in a very optimistic way. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I'm the leader now, you know. And then he adorably makes like a blanket of leaves for his work, know. you know. Oh, yeah. And then um, off they are. To, well, uh, at least for Greg to Dreamland. Oh my and... gosh, another great episode. <laughs> Yeah, very fitting too. Of course, Greg would have an awesome dream. You know, <laughs> it's fluffy and wholesome. You mm-hmm. know? <laughs> yeah, and there's like the welcoming committees, and it all takes place in like a cloud dreamland. It's very <laughs> Care Bears. <laughs> yeah, I can, I get that. And then I, I mean, I even thought of like 1950s, like Max Fleischer cartoons. You know, the the eyes of the characters, and actually, oh, another weird connection. Is um? Do you know the video game Cuphead? Yeah, that's a great yeah. yeah. And then you're right with like the Betty Boop type eye kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and then the um uh the the noses as well, mm-hmm. and like um actually yeah, you bring up Betty Boop. That was actually an inspiration for the the innkeeper a few episodes <laughs> back oh, when we were talking about. Yeah, in uh, in Songs of the Dark Lantern, the innkeeper was inspired by Betty Boop, and even I think her voice is like that slightly high pitched. You're right, voice as well. It is. Yeah, yeah, and then they have like kind of that old timey cartoon movement where they're all just like mm. bopping and bouncing yes. around and like yeah. yeah. And Cuphead has that aesthetic, you know, both the video game and the the Netflix uh, show, which uh, I watched one episode of, and I'm like, eh, I should continue that. In the, I honestly you know. did not know it was a show, so you just yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was adapted into a show this year, and you know, okay. Cuphead the the video game is like notoriously hard. Oh yeah, like, like ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I I enjoy it because I enjoy the world and the aesthetic, but like, yeah, I I don't think I've even passed a level yet. <laughs> like, oh no way! You know? I've never tried yeah. to play it. I've just watched like other people play oh, it. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just man, yeah. It, it's oh, not for God. casual gamers. I'll just say that. <laughs> so um, so yeah, and then you know the title um also alludes to the the vibe of this episode because it's like babes in the wood. You know, I'm I'm thinking of like, you know, babes in Toyland. You know that kind of thing. Um and yeah, so it, it's a it's a fluffy dream, but then you know all of a sudden something sinister is creeping in, you know. Yeah. Um, we get like these uh, who are these dark cloud people called again that like are at the gate, the barbarians at the gate. Uh, do you remember? I don't remember their names, oh, but yeah, man. they're all like huffing and puffing and like. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't yeah, even think they have voices. They just, like, grumble. <laughs> yeah, and they have their own musical theme, too, um, which is very in high contrast from from the, the fluffy, wholesome music that initially is in, in Greg's dream. Um, but uh, it suddenly ties into the reality of, I guess, the unknown. Uh, we didn't even mention that that's the name of this world, by the way, is the unknown. Um, oh, right, yeah. Yeah, and um, it, it's kind of like that subliminal message that has to continue. And um, uh, it's like he encounters a, a fairy godmother or the 
the good witch from Wizard of Oz who's like, I can grant you a wish. And, you know, of course, Greg's wish is to go home. <laughs> and, but he wants to go home with Wirt. And there's a foreshadowing thing here, too, because they're like saying, oh, no, um, Wirt can't come with you because he's already like wrapped into um, the forest. Like He's too far gone. And, you know, maybe this is also implying you know, because of his negative thoughts and all of that, that's also part of why the woods are, like, kind of, you know, absorbing him. Yeah, I think that's very much the case. And I was thinking about that a lot during this episode, too, because, like, the big, like, the um, the drama of it is he's, like, facing against, like, the old north wind. Like, I forget what his, like, cronies are called, but it's, like, this big blustering right. old north wind who's, like, here to, like, freeze everything and make you know give it a bad time uh yeah and yeah greg, that's what they were called yeah, yeah and greg is able to like overcome this foe and in return he's given a wish by by the cloud queen um and so like it definitely ties into that thing again where like there's this positive mental landscape he has in his dreams and he's able to like fight off the darker parts and it gives him the ability to like keep fighting um and meanwhile, like, Wirt is kind of succumbing to the cold and to the dark, and, like, he doesn't have that same fortitude. So it's very much like, you know, don't lose your childhood wonders, stay positive, like, look on the bright side. I, I like that theme that runs through the show. There, there you go. go. You just, like, phrased it so, it so much, much better than I could have, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, that that's, that's it, it, you know? That's, that's the show. show. <laughs> Let's go home now. No, no, no but, yeah, yeah like, like uh, uh, no, absolutely. You're right on point, you know? Like, the, I guess, it, yeah, I never even thought of that. Like, the, that is ultimately the message of the show, you know? It's tapped into this. That's and... always how it's felt to me, yeah. Mm, yeah, amazing. Yeah, because yeah, I... I, I <laughs> I guess personally that that's something I tried to remind myself too because uh, yeah I do have like these moments of wonder as well and like I'm like yeah more like this yeah you know <laughs> um, you know just be curious about things like you know there, there's so much about like I guess growing older where we're just taught to like worry and you know be concerned about things that like kids aren't you know <laughs> yeah and, like what's the worst, worst that, that could happen. happen? Yeah, and, like, to make room for more play and, like, silliness and, like, it's okay to just goof off, you know, like that kind of stuff where you don't have to take everything so seriously. <laughs> right. Yeah. Absolutely, you know. So, yeah, yeah that, that embodies the show so much. And, yeah, I, I love how you phrase that. Like, you know, if people were clipping movie food, I hope they clipped that part. <laughs> you... um, so, yeah, it, the, the episode ends very darkly. Yes. Like, after all this fluffy dreams... um. So when when Greg realizes that Wirt can't come with him, he's like, "Okay, well, let me change my wish." And oh man, they yeah, they're so good at you know obscuring elements in the show and not be a tease about it. It's more like you know they they're not gonna tell you because they're gonna show it to you, you know. And with this, it's like he whispers his wish. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, and uh, we so will find effective. out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, and uh, I, mean, I mean, but you can get the sense. sense that he's making a sacrifice, you know. Yes, like, and you just know yeah. his character at that point, too. Like, he's not going to leave without words, so he's found some other way. Yeah. 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 So um, so that's where it ends, and we meet the Beast again, who's who's been like a... I, I, we actually have done a disservice. He, 
he he's a presence in terms of being mentioned, but he actually also appears from time to time. Like we see yep. him appear with the woodsman, um, and uh, and yeah, so like yeah, he, he's just around, but he's but like yeah, in the yeah. shadows. Oh, and another like weird video game reference, by the way. You know how the beast has the white eyes mm-hmm. and just is completely this black and white shadow it made me think of one of my all-time favorite games which is also is it's it kind of challenging yes yes, <laughs> yes you exactly <laughs> know what i'm talking about <laughs> fantastic game and beautiful aesthetic it's a black and white video game and believe it or not the first time i actually saw the game was in a screening room <laughs> oh no way that's so cool yeah. yeah, so um, like uh, MoMA PS One uh in New York City, you know, which is like it used to be a, a public school that uh, MoMA turned into a museum, uh, so it still has the structure of of the school. So the basement is like basically where the the boiler room is, and they've kept the boiler room, uh, but they've also made like the other rooms in the basement like screening rooms, and. Yeah, Limbo was there, and you could actually play it on like this massive screen. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah, and with the sound like being surround sound, like yeah, I I totally fell in love with that game. Like I I I must have bought that game like on several platforms. Like I have it on PS4, I have it on my iPad. Like it's just you know, uh, it's a work of art. Absolutely. And yeah, yeah. yeah, the the glowing well, I, eyes of the beast. It, it reminded me so, so much of Limbo. Yeah. They must have seen Over the Garden Wall. Oh, absolutely. And I yeah. love the Beast character design, too, because the mm. way that they call him the Beast, you would expect, like, like they, the fake-outs that they keep doing, like, these right. big monstrous creatures that are, like, hairy and drooling. But, like, when you actually see the Beast, he's, like, it's almost, like, Slenderman-esque. Like, he's this very sleek, right. shadowy, like, he's only ever shown in silhouette with those glowing white eyes. Mm. Um, and then he has these big, like, ra- this big rack of antlers. And so it's like he's yeah. kind of, like, natural but also outside of nature. And he just, like, slinks and lurks around in the shadow. It's right. so creepy. <laughs> yeah, and you know another weird, like, Cartoon Network tie into that? Mm. Uh, Do you ever watch Samurai Jack? Yes! Oh, my gosh! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, I don't even remember the name of the villain in Samurai Jack, but it's like him lurking in the shadows because he yeah. also has the antlers. Um, but the voices are very different. I actually thought initially, I, I looked it up who the voice was, but initially I thought it was James Earl Jones <laughs> because he has a deep, booming voice. And I actually found out the name of the actor who, who does the voice Um uh, his name is pronounced the same as the director, Sam Raimi. <laughs> oh, no way. That's so yeah, funny. But the, yeah, yeah, but the spelling of the last names are different. So <laughs> this Sam Raimi is R-A-M-E-Y. <laughs> Got it. Um, but yeah. yeah, the I mean, it. we'll get to it a little bit. But like, yeah, the voice, like the singing voice. Um, yes. it, and he's oh, also the singing voice. Oh, my gosh. Because yeah. you get a, like a little bit of like la la laws ahead of time. But like right. near the end, he gets a full song and it's like, oh, it's so yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, so dark, dark ending for for Babes in the Wood, and yeah. now here we go. The the penultimate episode, mm. episode nine. nine, Into the Unknown, Oof. and we yeah. get a great reset <laughs> yeah. in this. Yeah. yeah, it's like we see Wirt like without his costume. Um, he's like spooling a tape with a pencil, which is like a classic thing to do with a cassette, <laughs> and it says for Sarah. So it's like, okay, is this? 
like a vision that work is maybe having you know he's still in that tree mm-hmm. uh, by that tree wrapped up in 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 those branches with the leaves um yeah we don't quite know because also the music is it it changes gears in this episode it's yeah. more kind of modern mm-hmm. Uh, almost, almost like, like a '80s teen movie. I feel <laughs> like with the with the the it's kind of like a a pop song playing while he's he's do, he's getting ready, and then he dons the costume, and we we start to piece it together, right? So it's like, oh, okay, so he decided to combine a like a Civil War era, era. <laughs> uh, cloak <laughs> with a, a gnome hat, <laughs> without <laughs> really having any kind of and I guess, yeah, this is an embodiment of work where he's still kind of figuring himself out. Mm-hmm. So even like, like, you know, when when he's asked, like, what is your costume? Are you like some sort of gnome? Like, he can't describe it. Like, it was just like a mood that I guess struck him. Yeah, he's like, I don't way. know. Yeah. Yeah. Versus Greg, who um, immediately knows who he is. And did you figure this out? Like what he was? No, the whole episode or the whole series, I had no idea. And then he says he's an elephant and I'm like, Oh, duh. Like, (laughs) but even then like, he he makes a little elephant noise. Oh my gosh. It's so cute. Um, Incredible. But yeah, you would never guess it because it just looks like he has like a little kettle on his head. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And And then, yeah, this whole reset where, um, yeah, again, I guess they, they use that whole, like, gaps of time, like, not knowing how we got there. Like, we, I mean, I didn't know um, if this was a flashback or a flash forward, you know? I, yeah. I wasn't quite sure. Or it was a dream. Because then we, we see Greg again, but I guess the, the rock was a very <laughs> uh, was an interesting indicator. Um and we didn't even mention that that was like a a thing that appears in the opening montage, uh, because it ties into the end where we see our, the rock, um, which has a painted face on it with the tongue sticking yeah. out, it's <laughs> kind of like, like a clown face, face. Mm-hmm. and Greg gives it a voice from the rock fact. I can't even do it properly, but it's a rock fact. <laughs> We 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 begin to realize that it's Halloween. That's yeah. why they're dressed up like, like that, that. Mm-hmm. and like. like uh, uh, th- this is another uh, favorite line of mine where he's talking about the old lady and then the old lady, what's her name? Old Lady Daisy or something? It's like Old like Lady that? Jenkins or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something and like, she's like, yeah. yeah, but don't call me Old Lady. And he's like, like yes, yes, sir, young, young man. man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Greg has all the best lines. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So funny. And... Um, so yeah. yeah, and he he reveals like, oh, oh I did some oh. yard work for old lady here, uh, for in exchange for candy, and then Mort is like, it's Halloween, you can get candy for free. <laughs> and he's like, and, she's like, she says, nothing in life comes free. <laughs> yeah, that whole exchange is great. Oh man, and yeah, so we'll skip a little bit. So he he realizes that the. Greg has uh Wirt has this tape. I keep mixing their names up. But, but yeah, yeah uh, uh Wirt has, has this tape and Greg takes it from him and then it's like oh it, it, it's for the uh the mascot who's a bee and we're at a football game and you know it, it, this is like a teen movie trope, you know, the thing that you'll see. Mm-hmm. Um but, but I, I didn't initially believe it that they were saying that Sarah was the bee. Like I I would imagine that Sarah was the cheerleader, you know, like, like that's yeah. what I initially thought. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but you know, uh, again, this this show is playing on expectations because when later on, I'm I'm jumping ahead a little bit uh, when we meet Jason Funderburger, <laughs> you know, your expectations again are flipped because yeah, considering that idea of like Wirt like kind of figuring his identity, um, he portrays Jason Funderburger as this guy who's completely put together. Yeah. And knows himself, so you think Jason Funderburger is a jock, mm. <laughs> like that's where your mind goes to. And then, you know, with uh, with Sarah, it turns out she is the mascot. She's the bee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is the other thing that I love is that she already has her uh, like when we see her uh, get out of the bee costume. Like, well, she goes in uh, changing room, and this is where where Wirt finds the opportunity to drop off the tape in in her jacket mm-hmm. um when she comes out she's already in her halloween costume so we actually don't really know what sarah looks like mm-hmm. because uh she's got, got the you know the the face, face paint. paint on which is like the black and white um kind of ghoul with the stitching on the lips and mm-hmm. the, the black, black eye, eye bags and um uh but yeah like you get certain hits because it's like her um uh, her, you see her neck and her hand, so mm-hmm. um, it you get a sense that oh, um, Sarah is a person of color, you know, uh, which I I also like. That was a nice touch, and she it contrasts with her white face. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so we we get to see this whole thing of like now I guess Wirt is regretting that he <laughs> he he gave that tape and he's trying to retrieve it. Mm-hmm. You know, and another trope of teen movie, they end up at a house party. And oh, yeah. Yeah, and one of the things I love about this house party, too, is, like, the lighting. That, that it's, yeah. like, deliberately, like, dim. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, like, brighter outside than it is inside, you know? Yeah, um, there's so many great bits in that party scene, too. Um, I'll let you finish, though. <laughs> no, 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 I, I mean, I feel like I've been talking so much oh, about no. this episode, but, uh, yeah. yeah, what are your your impressions? Oh, I just love, like, I just love the ways that they continue to incorporate, like, bits of adult humor, too. Like, um, eventually they talk about how they're going to go to a graveyard after, and yeah. uh, we're, is like, what are you guys going to do there? And Sarah's like, oh, you know, we're going to drink age-appropriate beverages <laughs> and stuff like that and so it's just like it's just so funny like they keep it like safe for kids but there's always the implication of like darker or like more adult things um but yeah that's great and then all the different costumes and just like just the vibe the vibe of it is so good <laughs> and we finally meet jason funderburger oh my gosh um... the reveal <laughs> Yeah, with with, with that, that voice, the crackly um kind of you'd think that that, that voice would be somebody who's very shy, shy but he is <laughs> actually confident. You know? Yeah. He believes in him, himself, you know, and I guess, I guess that's, that's enough. And uh, I I did listen to the commentary for this episode <laughs> and, and that, that that's what they talk about. Like actually one of the first like bits of trivia that I love is that the well, look of Jason Funderburger, uh, they they inspire uh they they took the inspiration from uh, Pat McHale's yearbook photo. Like, that's how he looked. Like, he was wearing, <laughs> like, a, you know, a, um, a corduroy or, like, a velvet, uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, blazer. That's so cute. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's where they they drew the look from <laughs> Jason Furnerberger. But, but, yeah, they, they also, also talk about that, of just that, that idea of, like, 
how you know in high school or when we're teens like it's just the people who are like comfortable in their own skin that you feel are like cool you know or it's like uh, somebody who's foreign to you like um pat McHale talks about like how you know he was just very shy and he kind of you know um retreated within like uh, a small group like they were he hung out when he said like are the art kids and he was saying that people looked at them as the cool people and he was like no you guys were the cool people like we were just <laughs> like, like a mess you know it's like we we didn't belong anywhere and like all these things and um and yeah i think the the show really captures that of just this idea that you know um when you look back on it like you know on high school and and all the people you think that are cool actually maybe they weren't you know they just were you know a little more comfortable within themselves and that's why they seemed a lot cooler because you were still like figuring yourself out yeah the confidence element cannot be understated um and yeah it's so great like they do the the false lead again we're like yeah they build up jason funderburger like this <laughs> this so such a cool guy and then gosh i want to try to do the voice but i don't think i can but he's like he's like hi sarah like it's the worst like most i can't even you, you yeah. just have to listen to it but it's like just this like nerdiest silliest voice like very comically overdone yeah it's great and and, and, and very, very telling of work too that he thinks that jason funderburger has like the inside <laughs> track with sarah but it, he's just so, so oblivious that sarah's like come on like, like inviting you yeah. to hang out like with age-appropriate drinks <laughs> like he and i can relate to this too because you know when i was younger too like i just had no idea like uh you know attraction is a funny thing like i couldn't sense if if a girl was attracted to me or not, it had to be like blaringly obvious, <laughs> you know, I was so oblivious to it. Um, so I, I, that definitely resonated with me. The whole thing, the work just completely misses the hints, Aww. you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they, they hang out at this graveyard called the eternal garden, which is finally like, Ooh, the title. Yeah. <laughs> like this is the garden. together. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I guess have you ever done this, Kay? Have you ever like hung out at a graveyard on Halloween or like another spooky night? No, I haven't. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> well, it's never too late. I guess not. No. I, yeah, I guess, you yeah. know, living in a city, there aren't a lot of graveyards to hang out in. Ah, uh, true, true. And I, I, I also feel like, I mean, in the big cities too, they, they t- kind of co-opt uh, graveyards now, like as cool places to hang out where events happen. Because like, uh, I, I don't live in LA. I'm, I'm in Orange County, um, but you know, LA is so close. So I know what's going on. And one of the most famous like venues in LA uh, as both a music venue and like they do summer screening series is Hollywood Forever, which is a cemetery. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, so um, uh, the it's, it, it's wild because like they do the screenings outside and, you know, there are like plots of land that are like, you know, you're not sitting on people's graves, you know? Yeah. Uh, so there's there's an empty plot where people can set up and, and watch movies. But um. The, the music venue is actually, um, it, it's a strange, like, uh, it, it's not outdoors, it's indoors, but you have to climb, like, these metal stairs. And um, 
it, it's kind of like a crypt in a way, you know, oh. in a strange way. But it's a great venue. Like the the acoustics in that venue are great. I saw the the Japanese band Toe, another kind of instrumental post rock band. Do you know? Toe? Them? Oh my god! Oh my gosh! <laughs> What's going on here, Kay? We have a lot of similar tastes. <laughs> I love Toe. Oh my gosh! Oh, this is wild. Oh man, have you seen them live? No, uh, oh. no. But this is making me think of Cornelius. Do you know? Cornelius? Yeah, of course I know Cornelius. I saw them yeah. live. I would love to see mm. Toe live someday, though. Yes. Uh, Toe is incredible. Like, fantastic show. And, I mean, uh, I will just say, just as a quick aside, too. I was driving Lyft and Uber around that time. Mm-hmm. And you can park inside Hollywood forever. So as soon as I finished um, the show, I turned on, you know, the apps. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, my first ride was, like, people who were at the show and I was actually standing <laughs> right behind them. That's so funny. So, <laughs> so on my drive to their destination, I guess they were going home, they were a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, I was playing Toe the whole time, like with my playlist of Toe songs, <laughs> you know, just right. random oh. stuff. You knew you your know? audience. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. That was a five-star ride for sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. We're like finding so many commonalities. <laughs> this is wild. I would have never anticipated this. You know, I mean, obviously, we 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 banded together for this episode because of our mutual love for for Over the Garden Wall. But I mean, yeah, the music thing I would have never foreseen. <laughs> yeah, I love music. Um, it's what I spend the most yeah. time on outside of film. Yeah, uh, for me too. Like, I think music actually inspires me to make films more than than movies do so great that's awesome yeah yeah yeah. so So, uh, i I didn't even mention like with american dawn like my favorite track is actually haven't heard uh haven't lived afro pop okay uh which is the third track and to me that sounds like inspiration like Like, that that, that, they they captured it in the song (laughs) like you know like that's how i feel like it's just incredible but anyway, yeah, I can't believe it. Toe. I know, wild. This is, yeah, this is wild. Um, this is why our episode yeah, we, is like four hours. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, I feel like we need to like continue this conversation outside of, of the pod too. Like let, let, let's stay in touch. Uh, yeah, so um, so we finally meet Jason Funderburger. But yeah, it's just like the, these graveyards are, are now becoming less cool because like they're holding events at these these places and Halloween is a big thing mm-hmm. I think you know like I, I yeah I, I think the the Hollywood forever like um uh, Halloween screening is probably already sold out I would say like yeah um but yeah they, they're doing these things so it's losing their cool like you know the, the whole thing about these graveyards is that they're supposed to be empty and there's no other people out there and <laughs> You know, no. and, and Jason Funderburger makes that move where it's like, <laughs> it's, uh, I see that ghost. That I, I mean, I'm I'm misquoting him, but it's like right there, and then totally fails spectacularly. Because yes, Sarah's like having none of it. You know, it's like she's so funny. She's like, she's like, it's okay, Jason. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> his joke bombs and she's like trying to console him. She's like, it's Aww. okay. <laughs> and, and yeah, I guess this is another thing you've just touched upon, which, you know, is outside of my experience, but I've learned from female friends and, and girls that I've dated too that this art of deflection, you know, that you have to kind of learn at an early age, you know, 
um i think that that perfectly captures it it's like <laughs> how she she just like tries to console him so you don't make it awkward and like you know it's kind of like <laughs> yeah especially um, around friends you don't want to put someone on the spot like that so it's like right oh yeah. you tried <laughs> nice <laughs> joke jason <laughs> oh, yeah, i'm making it then... out to be sadder than it is it, it was a... no it's not because also i i feel like it, it's water on a duck's back for jason Funderburger. Yeah. like he he does not let that phase him because you know the next thing he does is like when they're telling the stories around the circle is he, he puts his hand on top of Sarah's hand and then what's the line? Do you remember? Oh, I can't remember. Yeah, it's something like uh, along the lines of like, you can put your hand back now. Oh, yeah. Jason or something like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then yeah. the girl next to him is like, you can hold my hand, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> fantastic so good what a great episode Um, it so encapsulates that feeling of like being a kid that's what makes this show so special it's so great Mm -hmm. yeah and you know it's obviously made by adults but the the fact that they're able to like embody or embottle these emotions and like you know impressions because you know most of us leave leave that you know and sometimes i'm guilty of it of forgetting because of all the the adult, adult things, things that we have to do, to do you <laughs> know? Um, but yeah, the fact that they were able to—I mean, Pat, uh, credit to Pat McHale—and uh, we didn't even mention like Nate Cash directed all the episodes. Mm. Um, so so yeah, yeah, that they 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 managed to like contain all these emotions and express it in this way, yeah. you know. Um, it's very nostalgic and, and sentimental. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh so okay, okay. so we get, get to like, like the after this part um we forgot to mention this <laughs> this running gag which it also involves some great lines which are the cops oh my gosh i know <laughs> no running in the street just kidding happy halloween <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or hey you two you're both dressed like burglar burglars you're under arrest just kidding happy halloween <laughs> He's doing it like through through the cop car microphone, like yes, so through funny. the PA. Oh my god, uh, yeah, amazing. So funny. Yeah, and, and then they they show up at the at the Eternal Garden, mm-hmm. and it's also a joke. They're like, "Hey kids, like you can't be here." Yeah, and then they all scatter like you do when yeah. the cops show up. <laughs> yeah, and just kidding, you know, Happy Halloween. But the, this is the crazy thing, which is like, I don't know if this is like a cop thing where it's like you know they're programming because okay i'm I'm gonna get a little political here um but you know with and this is also kind of tragic and a downer but you know they they say with like a lot of the you know these cop shootings it's because of their training right like they're they're trained to shoot So, so it's like it you know when when you're in that moment where it's like high stress they call it like the pucker factor like they fall back onto those things where it's like they just go back to their training and their mind is just there. They're not like thinking critically. So like, you know, this is why like, you know, bad shit happens uh, because it's just like, you know, you have somebody who isn't trained properly and probably might not even be like, um, you know, the right psychological makeup. You know, I, I mentioned first man and, you know, to be an astronaut, you have to like go through all these things you can't have. And this is one of the main like flaws of, 
of gravity, by the way. Like, you know, Sandra Bullock's character would never be up in space because of her trauma that she carries with her, <laughs> you know? You know? Um, but, but yeah, yeah like, uh, with cops, you know, it's just like, well, we, we're basically going to hire who we can get. And a lot of these people, um, you know, uh, yeah, I don't want to get too deep into it, but it's just, and I'm not generalizing, but, you know, oftentimes you'll see, like, these are people who aren't like psychologically equipped to handle like these high stress situations. And (laughs) to tie it into the show, I'm sorry that I I got got into that downer that little bit. It's just that when they start chasing Wirt and Greg, (laughs) like I feel like that's like the embodiment of it, of them like basically like, oh, we're just going to fall back into our training. Like these kids are running. They must have done something wrong. So we should chase them. You know, they're immediately suspicious. And then they just fall into that, you know. Instead of like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, just let them go. go. Yeah, they're just like little kids on Halloween. But yeah, they, they chase them and it's like, oh, it's par- private property and all this stuff. Like it becomes like a whole to do. Um, yeah. And yeah. And then as a result, they fall over the garden wall. Yeah. <laughs> and they climb over a tree to get over the wall, too, because um, from the, the perspective that the way that they animate it, it makes it seem like that wall is really high. Yeah. Like... Yes. It's like, it's why like do you need... at least 10 feet high. <laughs> right. Like, why do you need a wall that high from a graveyard? Like, seriously. <laughs> Unless, yeah, they believe that, like, the undead may wake up and, you <laughs> Can't know, be too escape. Careful. Yeah. yeah, so we need, we need a 10-foot wall, and you need a tree to climb over it. And they jump over this wall, and uh, when they land, it's like they end up, like, you know, in this... Uh, tumbling like Tumble. somersault uh maybe concussion inducing yeah uh, i think and there's a song that plays right i um, love that song yeah um yeah. old black train um oh, they man. only play a few seconds of it but i love that song yeah, yeah. it's so and good they, they splash, splash into what, what I, I assume is a lake yeah, it's like some body of water. I don't know if it's a river or lake or what, but yeah. they go tumbling down. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, the uh, the show, like, we're back into the unknown. Like, And I love this, like, vignette, like, uh, around, like, Wirt. And he's in basically inside a tree with uh, Beatrice's family, who are all bluebirds. Yeah. Yeah. And um, oh, before we move on to this part, though, um, I will just say them, like, falling into the water and, like, this whole idea of, like, it may be, like, a near-death dream. Um, it reminded me of another, like, short-lived kid show that I enjoyed. Like, yeah, I was really spoiled as a kid. Like, there were so many good shows uh, growing up. And this is also why I don't like Stranger Things because, like, it just is riffing on, on shows that I, I love. As a kid that already existed, like, like Erie, Indiana. Indiana. Like, like nobody remembers Erie, Indiana, but like that is a fantastic show. Like, uh, but the show I want to reference, which is the first time I ever heard that title too, I didn't know that it was a reference to Homer, is The Odyssey. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I I don't know anybody who knows this show. Yeah. You know, uh, it's not uh, me either. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't think it's streaming anywhere. Uh. But yeah, the idea uh, of it was this. This kid who, um, he he I think he was climbing a tree, and he's he's a teenager. He's probably like fourteen, and he falls from the tree, and it knocks him into a coma, 
Uh, so he spends the rest of the show in a coma, but he's also existing in this world, in this kind of dream world that he's trying to get back home. Uh, and, you know, I guess that's scarier because he's all alone. He doesn't have a Greg with him you know, to like kind of be that shining light, that beacon. Um, but, yeah, the, I thought of that because it's like, you know, this whole thing of like, yeah, is this taking place like just in that that short span of time? But it feels like it's forever, you know. And then also the other thing is like in his real world, um, in the main character of the Odyssey, uh, a lot of the characters appear in his dream, but as different people, mm, you know, like they look different. Yeah. So it was really a great show and it was scary too. Like it was just terrifying <laughs> because it was just like, you know, that whole thing of just finding your way back. Like, and I don't know if he ever does. Like it, it felt like Twin Peaks where it was like, maybe they forced a conclusion at the end because they were going to get canceled. Uh, I don't quite remember now, <laughs> but yeah, I just thought of that. And then also the, um, the whole like circle thing of telling scary stories. Another great show when I was a kid was, are you afraid of the dark? Uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't really you know that show. No, uh, it was a little bit before my time. I, I okay. kind of missed, I missed the boat on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely terrifying show. Like, it's just super scary. Uh, but yeah, if I, I, I would imagine... You know, Nickelodeon would bring, bring it back. It back. Um, you know, I, I think they tried to, but I don't think it quite worked. But um, yeah, th those original, the original run of Are You Afraid of the Dark is, is incredible. The name of the the group too that tells the stories are they're called the Midnight Society. Ooh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so, so I just, just thought of that. Um, you know that maybe, maybe you know because uh, Pat McHale is my age that he probably. probably saw those shows too. He grew up with those shows. Wouldn't be surprised. Um, yeah. yeah. So we're so back in the unknown, and, and uh, uh, Wirt is with <laughs> Beatrice's Bluebird family, and, and also, also um uh. Dr. Cucumber, <laughs> uh, Jason <laughs> Funderburger the Frog, uh, Greg Jr., is uh, is also in this this kind of indoor nest. And there's a snowstorm going on outside, right? Um, and this is another thing that's, like, accurate to him being cold-blooded amphibian. He's dying. Because it's like, he, he's cold, you know? He needs that warmth. And then, uh, yeah, Greg... Uh, oh no, sorry. Wirt like just takes him in, and I was hoping the the ringing of the bell would keep him warm or something. You know. <laughs> yeah, they never um, really addressed that again. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and um, and, and yeah, yeah, they 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 go off in in search of uh of Greg, and then I guess he encounters Beatrice, and you know he. Wirt is initially like kind of antagonistic towards Beatrice because of you know that divide that we had a few episodes ago. <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, yeah she's, she's like, like no, no, I've seen Greg. Greg, you know, and like he's it, it, he's serving somebody or something like that. <laughs> I, I don't know if she does she directly refer to the beast. Um, I don't recall, but she says that mm. she saw Greg, but she couldn't like find where because the blizzard was happening and she got like blown mm. away. Oh, god! And she hits and you... she hits Wirt in the face. That's how they find each <laughs> yeah, other again. All yeah. <laughs> oh, right, and, and yeah, and also, um, I guess we, I don't know if we. I can't remember now. My mind is much. If, if we mentioned in the previous episode, we do see the beast take Greg with him. Um. um yes. Uh. So th yeah. yeah, Greg is in the beast's company at this point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So that that yeah, that's why we we get that sense too mm. that. 
he Greg is making that sacrifice for for work. And so um so we see what he's doing and it's like he's basically collecting things for for the beast. Yeah, it's this sort of like impossible like very much like fairy tale fable task where it's like get me a spool of silver thread, like a comb of mm-hmm. gold. And of course, yeah. Greg is like clever and he uses like a spider web for this silver thread and things like that. So he's he's trying to outsmart the beast in order to earn their freedom essentially. Right. right. Yeah, yeah it, that, that definitely, definitely gave me like Rumpelstiltskin vibes. Yeah, yeah, it definitely yeah. has that element to it. Mm. And um also very telling true to Greg's character and resilience even though now we see him like he's you know um He's paler. He's got eye bags. He's still doing the task very enthusiastically. Yeah, like he's, he's like, he's I all got in. this. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and yeah, how does the episode end? Is that it? Like he he dis- uh like work um discovers that the uh, that Greg is doing these tasks. Um. So, I think let's see. So we're in the final episode now, right? Um, I, I was just wondering how Into the Unknown ends. Yeah. Or, well, because... Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, Into yeah. the Unknown. Because it ends with them, like, looking for Greg, I think. Oh, okay. So I, I skipped ahead. Yeah, um, it, well, because it yeah. kind of blurs together there because it all becomes, right. like, one... It's it's Those two pieces are, like, part one and two, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and, and again, yeah, even the I, titles of the episode. So episode nine is um, Into yeah. the Unknown, and episode and ten, here, here we, we are. are. The Unknown. We reach <laughs> yeah. The Unknown, unknown. Episode, episode ten. Yes, yes, yes. So yes. it does kind of blur okay. together. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, let, let's just say that they're they're of a piece. Yeah. Oh God, this is a this is a tough one to to discuss. Um. So Kay, I have I have a confession to make. Tell me. Um, I didn't think I would cry again. Like, I didn't think it was gonna happen. I did. <laughs> I mean, I cried the first time I saw this episode, and I was like, "Yeah, I know what's coming," <laughs> but, but that doesn't change anything. Oh my god. Oh yeah, like when when Greg is like in the the um, what's the Eldenwood El- Elderwood? Yeah. And, and he's, he's like, like he's dying. <laughs> yeah, he's so weak. He coughs up those leaves, and it's just <laughs> and it's like even that is funny though, because Beatrice is like, "Oh God, the trees inside of him," and he's like, "No, I was just eating leaves." <laughs> yeah, and again, I watched this with the commentary, and they were saying like, the more jokes they added to that scene, the the more tragic it felt. You <laughs> yeah, know? it felt so sad. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! And I, again, there's a there's another great line in this too that uh, I wrote down, which is, "Oh, you wonderful mistake of nature." Oh yeah, Beatrice <laughs> has some zingers. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. So um. So yeah. Uh. So Greg is like well within the clutches of the beast at this point. Uh, Beatrice is crying. Work is crying. I'm crying. Oh man, it's just like I'm a wreck. <laughs> By the time this this part comes around, it's like you can't do this to Greg. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, because he's like the heart and soul of the series. Like without him, 
what is yeah. there? <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly. Uh yeah, I would argue he is uh the center of the show. He is he is the yeah. main character. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's no there's no over the garden wall without Greg. I mean, all all due respect to work, but uh yeah. yeah. Greg is the MVP of the show. Absolutely. Uh yeah, yeah so, so um yeah see yeah, I'm, I'm like a mix of emotions now too because it's just like it, you know through all of this like it feels like it's heading towards this tragic end and then uh the woodsman shows up and yeah. and then the beast is like well you know it, it's more uh wood for you to chop for your to keep the lantern lit and He's referring to Greg. He's like gonna yeah, chop Greg, Greg down, down. and it's oh so my god! Dark. Yeah, yeah. And even like they reveal the woodsman didn't even know that, and he'd been like chopping Eldenwood trees for so right. long, and it's like, oh dude. Yeah, <laughs> because um, yeah, I guess we we skipped this detail, but the yeah. um the reason why he's keeping the lantern lit is because uh, it's supposed to keep his his daughter alive, like his daughter's soul is in um is in the lamp uh yes. yeah, yeah but uh, uh you know it's just this point where basically you know when you feel when work is like at a loss you know and he you know to lose greg it would be like you know i well what else have i got to lose like nothing you know um so he it, it's almost that point of like well i don't care you know he the beast doesn't scare him and he begins to piece together that wait a minute like is this lamp actually more you is that why it has to you know remain lit is your soul in this lamp and then there's that moment where they flash the lamp at him and you see his like uh insides and like his shadow and then his eyes do the rainbow thing again oh it's so good yeah, yeah. And like yeah. uh, where it threatens to blow it out and like finally scares him. Oh, it's such a oh moment. man, yeah. And the beast, you know, the the tables have turned because it's like the beast is now the one who's kind of, uh, you know, he he doesn't have the upper hand now. He realizes that. And um, how do they get Greg out of the the wood? Um. So I uh, I I will answer that but i do just want to say really quickly too okay. that okay. before when they first introduced the beast in this part we get that amazing opera bit where he's just like his voice is ringing through the trees oh and he has this, yes like, really bassy i just didn't want to want to pass over that um, oh yeah by accident because sure. that part is so good um, yes love it but yes uh they they use the woodman's or the woodsman's axe i believe to cut him out of the trees oh and pull yeah him to safety while uh the beast is distracted by greg right or he gets he gets him out like during that interaction mm. I think and they then um him out. right and then also um uh i remember too the music that was playing at this bit um is uh the latin version of potatoes and molasses slowed down and yeah. with a choral vocal, it's like, man. Oh, uh, my gosh. Did you cry? I mean, I've seen it so many times that I wouldn't anymore. But, like, oh, I, yeah. I, I, it, if it didn't have me crying the first time I saw it, I was definitely misty-eyed. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not a big crier because, it, you know, it, it's a weird thing that maybe I used to cry a lot when I was a kid. So I feel like I... I exhausted all my crying. 
as a kid. But you know, there's still certain things that that do. I mean, I like I tried to think about um, movies that made me cry, and I mean, the only ones that are like in recent memory, like, and it's a movie that I'd seen like so many times. But when I saw it in the theater, it just like wrecked me. Was Paris, Texas? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, like, I was with my friend at that time, and it was her first time seeing it. And I just remember, like, when the lights came on, she was also crying. And, like, we had to, like, just hug because it was just, like, such a crazy, like, moment. And we didn't exchange any words. We didn't even talk about it. Like, you know, on the way home, like, because uh, we were with another friend, but he didn't sit with us. He was like, because uh, he preferred to sit closer. I like to sit in the back in movie theaters. So we were both sitting in the back. And um, uh, yeah, we never mentioned it. Like he, she was just chatting with, with our other friend the whole time. And I was just thinking about it. And yeah, we haven't talked about it since. Like it's just this weird thing of just like this unspoken moment. And it's just wild to bring it up on the podcast right now. Um yeah, and I, I I think the last time I cried uh, was this year, uh, and not with this. It was actually, weirdly enough, and it was one of those like late night like YouTube binge type of things where I just came across... Um, do you know Lizzie? Lizzie? I don't yeah. think so. Yeah, she just goes by that name. She's a musician. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't. Yeah, so... Um, she did a live cover of Kid Cudi's uh, Pursuit of Happiness. Oh. <laughs> yeah, with Kid Cudi. And, oh, cool. Yeah, and it's, like, some powerful shit, man. Like, yeah, I, yeah. The, the waterworks just started, like, tears just flowed. Oh. Yeah, listening to that song. Uh, that version, specifically. I mean, the, the Kid Cudi original is, is fantastic, but, um, but yeah, the, the cover is also great. Um, but yeah, oh man. So I, I wasn't expecting it. You know, I, I actually just watched, um, uh, I wrapped it up last night. Uh, so I watched it last night and I was, I was in tears <laughs> with this episode. Um, yeah, when it hits, it hits. I think the last movie that really had me crying was actually Marcel the Shell. Oh, I man. I saw it with my friends, and it was like me and three of my girlfriends, and we brought those little pocket tissues as a joke. <laughs> like, oh, we're going to cry so much. Ha ha. And by the end of it, I was like, Rachel, do you have an extra tissue? I'm all out. And like, we're sobbing, and like, we could hear other people in the theater crying. <laughs> oh, like, man. Sob fest. I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, I I couldn't do it because that, that was what I was afraid of. Uh, I have to do it in the privacy of my own room. <laughs> um, yeah. Good uh, okay. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. I gotta catch up on it. Um, yeah. So, uh, what other impressions do you have from from this episode? Oh yeah. So uh, let's see. Yeah. So the woodsman had freed Greg while. Uh, where it was distracting the beast and then they kind of yeah um it it kind of just like they they resolve everything and then it goes into that really nice um like the series of they're not vignettes but like just a little like shadows of of um like it looks back on the series and it kind of shows you where all of the characters are now and just wraps things up like really nicely i think there's even a voiceover um from the frog at the beginning too and he's like well you know 
there's not always a happy ending and yada yada. Like, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Says. Yeah. Well, um, uh, I want to discuss. Uh, just oh, maybe a little I'm bit. getting too far ahead. Yeah, yeah how it how gets to that point. Oh, so, yeah, I'm um, sorry. <laughs> no, no, I, it, there, there is an important detail here because it confirms yeah. my whole theory of the of the near death dream. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so ahead. they, yeah, it's basically like they come to consciousness and they're drowning in the lake still, and it's like through sheer weir- willpower, like Greg or sorry, Wirt. <laughs> like gets them out of it you know and it's like they 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 come to the surface and they're you know they're probably suffering from hyperthermia and like um and their friends are like running down the hill yeah um yeah and like yeah just the the sheer goodwill of this moment too is like you know it's showing like the nature of how you know people will help you know other people out you know um in that moment uh, it's just heartwarming, and you know, the, again, you know, my 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 tears were already flowing at this point, but like, you know, it there's like kind of a an aftershock, like a little bit of a reprise for me with the tears because it's them in the ambulance, and then the song is playing, yeah. and the flashing lights, and I'm like, oh man, oh god, oh, you still don't know what's gonna happen, like you right. don't know if Greg is dead. Mm-hmm. And oh then. God. Yeah, and then work comes too. He's he's at the hospital dead, and who's there? Who's the first face he sees? Sarah. Yes. And then she's like, "Uh, about this tape." <laughs> so sweet. Yeah, and it's like I don't have a tape player. <laughs> yeah, because like where it starts fumbling, and he's like, "You don't have to listen to it. It it kind of sucks anyway." And she's like, "Relax, dude. I just don't have a cassette player." Right. And then she even is like, "We should listen to it together." He finally <laughs> gets it. Like he's like, yes, "Yes, let's let's listen to it at my place." And <laughs> yeah, so uh, but let's play some other tapes first before we listen to this one. I love yeah, that. Build line. up to that one. Yeah, let's build up to that. There's one. clarinet. There's poetry. Oh man, yeah. see you know this i did not know this because the show never like actually explicitly tells you what's on the tape like i think he mentions before oh he does oh okay gotcha i must have missed that detail but i always felt like it was like some sort of like MacGuffin where the tape is like well you know you just kind of have to guess what is what's on there and and yeah i guess what i imagined was he actually gives like a spoken word love letter by tape like that, that was what i imagined was on the tape I'll send you a link because I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube okay. where you can just listen to the whole thing. It's like 20 minutes. Okay, okay. I'd yeah. love that. And then also, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll probably include it in the the show notes as well. Nice. Um, so yeah, he, uh, after after that, like Wirt is like, oh, where's Greg? And then Greg is like holding court. His hair is really nice. Like he yes. he's gotten like the brill cream thing going on. Like, you know, um. And yeah, he's he's sharing stories, holding up uh, Jason Funderburger, and then Jason Funderburger, the human, is completely confused. He's like, "Me? No, this is Jason Funderburger." It was like our frog. No, not your frog. <laughs> yeah, I love that bit. Oh man, best name for a frog. He was right. Yep. And then yeah, that's what leads to the the ending kind of um voiceover and then you get that uh exterior shot of the of the hospital in the cityscape and I they mentioned in the commentary that um you know they were there was another cartoon 
oh, I'm blanking on the name of the cartoon, but it starts with the letter C that was on Cartoon Network, and you know they they work next to each other, so they knew what they were working on. So they they actually said like, oh, can we just you know since you have cityscapes, can we just use yours? <laughs> and then yeah, and then yeah, we'll just modify it so they made it darker and they they drew the the hospital in there. The hospital wasn't in that cityscape, and yeah. Yeah, they the, the amazing thing about the commentary is like there's this whole running motif where they discuss like the different artists and like what they contribute and like you know the backgrounds like they even mention um uh the uh what you call it the um, like how if you separate the the foreground with like the characters and just leave the background they were saying like yeah some of these artists like they basically did like painting quality landscapes yeah you know? we didn't even touch on that because the backgrounds are these like oil paintings They're right so beautiful yeah so uh so yeah it's just uh what a conclusion to the show we get the that montage of everybody doing better and i guess the golden scissors work with uh beatrice because we finally see her in her human form and uh, the mom basically says, uh, come eat your dirt. <laughs> it's like, why do you keep calling it? Stop calling it dirt, mom. <laughs> what are you going to do? Turn us into bluebirds? <laughs> yeah. And how many members are there in this family? <laughs> like, this is like the extended family or something. Like, it's a full house. Yeah, it's wild. Um, and yeah, we, we see the, 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 um, uh, the teacher from um, School Town Follies with the love of her life, Jim, and they're watching the circus together. Um, yeah. Uh, what am I missing? What are the other like follow-ups that oh, they had? Uh, there's Lorna, um, mm. and she and Auntie Whispers, right? Because they have their conclusion. Mm. I forget what. Do you remember? No, I don't. Yeah, I'm completely drawing a blank. Let's see. Well, I feel like they did a Lorna, but now I'm Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I think I they, they follow up on everybody because, yeah, definitely yeah. we see Uncle Endicott. I think they were um, just, like, at their house. But, yeah, there's Uncle Endicott, mm. and then there's also the woodsman, and he gets his re yes. with his daughter. Oh, oh, yeah, that's wonderful. Oh, my gosh, that scene. Oh, oh mm -hmm. tearjerker. Yeah. 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 Well, the, the entire episode is to Absolutely. me. Yeah. Um, yeah, but okay, so the best for last, the final image. Do you remember what the final image of the I do. It's yes. so good. Do you want to say it? No, nah, you'll say it. Well, so it's so great because it ends with uh just like a close up of some dirt and bushes and then you see like Greg's hand putting the rock fact rock back in its spot Aww. because he had stolen it and so he had to like make the last thing right and he puts the rock back. oh yeah and that was one of his confessions too when he was like yeah. dying wrapped in the wood um so yeah but yeah, yeah what, what a, a perfect, end perfect, perfect ending yeah that's that's <laughs> it you know the that's over the garden wall oh my gosh um, yeah <laughs> wow, what an episode. Yeah, you, you just broke records, Kay. This is amazing, and we're up so late. Um, and I've discovered new things, too, through you with music um, that I had no idea. Um, just before we go, though, I just want to ask, did you watch the like the original pilot, uh, the short film, Tome of the Unknown? I didn't. Oh, okay. Well, I highly recommend it. It's actually included on the Blu-ray. Um 
Uh, so I won't spoil it then. The only thing that I will just say is that it's a lot brighter than what became um, the show. Uh, I guess, yeah, they adapted a more darker palette for the, sh the show itself. And, um, uh, yeah, there's more cartoony aspects of it, like the way that they react. And um, uh, another, like, quirky thing that I tend to notice is that... Um, uh, there's a character who's a musician and he's left-handed and he plays the guitar left-handed. Oh, that's so cool. I yeah, I won't spoil it. Yeah, because, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I think for, for that to be a conscious decision, I would have to say that the animators have to be left-handed, you know? Right, like, they yeah, have, they have to. to really think about it. Yeah, because um, do you know another, like, major cartoon that um, that has left-handed characters? I know. Okay, uh, I'll give you a hint. Chalkboard. I don't That's know. Too vague. Honestly, dude, it's like three thirty in the yeah, morning. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> we should be wrapping up. Sorry, but no, my it's capacity a, is like sinking. Yeah, it, it's The Simpsons. Um, oh, so oh, if you okay. if you look at the the chalkboard gag, Bart is writing it with his left hand, and that's also oh. because Matt Groening is left-handed. That's um, a great bit of trivia. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the other like weird thing that may take some getting used to is that uh beatrice is not voiced by melanie linsky in this um uh it's actually natasha Leggero, and the voice is very different um yeah do you like it better or do you think it's um okay well this leads into my next question uh which is that um it, would you want more episodes of of over the garden wall no, I don't think okay. it's necessary. I think yeah. it's just like so well done as it is. Right. Yeah, it's a self-contained, you know, um it it and you know, they we, we don't need more. It, it just has like a narrative that is on its own, but like, you know, that is one of my fears that they'll do like a revival or like a Netflix reboot or something probably like that. Not. Yeah, really probably not. Uh, the irony, though, is that, you know, I looked up what Pat McHale is working on right now. He he contributed to the script of uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which makes me more intrigued to watch it now. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So he is working in that Netflix realm. I hope they give him a show, you know. Uh, that would be great. Yeah. yeah. Just leave over the garden wall. Like. Yeah, something new. Um, but I will say, okay, so you were asking me that question about Tome of the Unknown. I liked it a lot. I had more than I expected because I what I already was like, what is this? I mean, you know, they had to make this. This was like the proof of concept. You know, the the show would have never been greenlit had they not made this because, um, yeah, they, they needed to show what it would look like and the voices and everything. Um, I liked it as a standalone thing. It it actually works. You know, it, it's outside of the narrative of um of what we know what we just discussed for four hours um but you know it works as that like if they did like a halloween special like this like every year i would love it you know if they just did it like that it's nothing to do with with the main story it's like they're just going on adventures you know random adventures in the unknown or it could even be like those those gaps in time that we didn't you know see through the show and then it's kind of inconsequential in a way you know yeah, I guess I could see more, like, world-building type stuff would be interesting. Um, I just don't think we need, like, a season two with Greg and Wirt. Yes. You know? Yeah. So, so yeah, you know, oh, I, 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 I totally agree. It, the ten episodes are perfect. Don't yes. mess with that. 
And yeah, yeah so the so question we always ask at the end of, of our podcast, but I already know the answer to this, but I, I'll ask it anyway. Is this a keeper? Uh, oh my gosh, absolutely. Golden <laughs> standard, put it on the pedestal, glass case. Don't ever touch it. It's amazing. Yes. Forever. Pickle absolutely. it. Preserve it. Archive well, it. <laughs> yes. And I was so glad I was able to share this with UK and, you know, uh, record an epic episode um we covered a lot of stuff we did yeah i I love our little digressions too and especially because it led to like the these music commonalities that i would have never expected we bonded hard today absolutely (laughs) um so you know you're always welcome to come back um you know especially if if there's uh, you know i've been imposing stuff on you of like oh yeah let's discuss this but if there's something that you're really passionate about that you want to discuss on this show you know you have an open invite thank you so much that means a lot yeah well thank you for spending time with me and discussing this um so uh do you have any like things you want to drop like you know where people can find you online or um, I had kind of mentioned this before. I can't remember <laughs> if we were recording, but I actually don't use social media, so there's not a lot Perfect. of places you can find me online. Uh, the only real spot uh, is on Letterboxd uh, at Film Rat. That's me. Uh, there are two Film Rats, not the Muppets Film Rat, the other Film Rat. That's me. <laughs> the okay. lowercase Film Rat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, is that why you have it in lowercase? Um, no, it's just coincidence, but I discovered mm. the other day that there's another film rat on Letterboxd, but their name is, like, capitalized correctly, so. Oh, wow, okay. I'm the one who does not have an actual rat icon, but is a girl. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever um, use a rat? As no. A... Okay. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, so that's where you can find me. Um, I'm, I'm pretty active on there. Uh, if you want to talk film, uh, I'm always happy to chit-chat. Yeah. Uh I and yeah, I mean I I think that's the only one that matters to you. You don't need any other social media. That's it. Like film Twitter is so toxic. It uh, you know, I I talk about losing brain cells. That's another place where I'm just like, "Oh my god." Um <laughs> so yeah, it's yeah. good that you're you're only on Letterbox as Film Rat and yeah, it's the Film Rat in lowercase. Uh I I'm now curious about this other like fake Film Rat. <laughs> who who is this person and like what style of reviews do they do? Um, no, I've tried to make contact with them, but they don't reply to my comments. Ah, <laughs> uh, they must be like a, an inactive. There's a lot of those types of profiles on there, or like they just use Letterbox as their logging thing. They don't really uh, want to follow people or anything like that. Uh, who knows? Yeah, I, I wish knows. all the best to my fellow film rats. <laughs> um, but yes, if people want to find me on Letterbox, that's where they can. Okay, perfect. All right, so I guess I'll end this by saying maybe I'll start calling you Candy Pants. (laughs) Maybe I'd like that.